Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, um, it's cool to be here again. This is like home away from home. Uh, this isn't sort of, this is family. And um, you know, how many people know that God's the father of the family? And um, you know, we're not to be an institution. We're not to be a um, organization. We're not a club. We're a family. Um, and sometimes we know that in language, but do we know that in heart? And we can say yes, and then we live club. We live an institution. We think institutionally. We, we, we say things like we come to church. But when you are the church, you don't come to it because it's your people. And so as the church, God has an incredible purpose and a plan for us. As a people, first. Not as an individual. As a people, as a group. God always speaks in nation terms. He speaks body terms. The body of Christ, yes? Are you the body on your own? No, you're a part, aren't you? And I'm a part of a body. So we are interconnected, intrinsically linked to one another. And so as that family, we are to live being linked to one another. Yes? So you need me and I need you. Your business is my business and your business is my business. Don't you touch it. You see, because if you're not living out your design, that affects me. Because we've been intrinsically linked to live together, to walk together, to love one another, and as a body see the purpose of God established on the earth, not as an individual. Primarily, God always looks and speaks prophetically to a nation. It was called Israel, the people of God. And God has specific works for his people to be accomplished as a people, primarily. See, this messes us up because we're being taught and wired to think individually. We've been wired and taught, and in us is individualism, that God wants to rip out and put in a family mentality, a sense of the corporate, a sense of a nation. Whenever a man spoke in the Bible, he would speak to a nation. And even if he spoke an individual word to an individual, the impact would always be for a nation. Can you hear God's heart for family? God is looking for a family on this earth. He always has been. She's called his bride. And I'm not the bride of Christ on my own. Neither are you. But together, we are his family. And, um, you know, when I've come here the last three times, I've sort of spoke about this inner realm this inner work that God wants to do in our hearts and our minds. That God said, the purpose for following me is to be conformed, transformed into the image of my son. So you and I are to reflect Jesus Christ to the earth. And as we allow his living word to go to work in my, and in my, my heart and my mind, there's a transformation. As my mind, the Bible says, is renewed, then I'm able to prove the will of God. 
The Bible says, if my mind is being transformed, I will prove the will of God. I won't ask what the will of God is. I will know it because the will of God is my transformation and your transformation. So as we enter into this process and allow God to do a work in us, not to us, not around us, but in us. My mind is not outside of my body. My mind is contained in this thing called a skull. My heart is contained in this thing called a chest cavity. So God wants to go to do a work in you and I of transformation, yes? <clears throat> Romans 8, 28 to 30, that's the purpose of why you were born, was to be conformed into the image of the Son. So then you would be prepared to marry the Son in an eternal thing called the marriage of the kingdom of heaven and God. What an invitation. The day you were receiving of Christ, you were given an invitation to marry him. But that will be determined by the work he's doing within you. This transformational work. The Bible says that the bride has made herself ready. She has prepared herself for the day of the marriage between Christ and his church. The Bible says this is an incredible mystery. And so God gives us this physical reality, being a man and a woman, to teach us spiritual truths. Ephesians 5, he says, I'm not talking about a man and a woman, really. I'm talking about the mystery between Christ and his church. So there's this inner work, and I've been speaking about this. The last time I was here, I spoke about rest. And this is the message God has given me primarily to speak about, is the inner work of transformation in the church's heart and mind. So she lives as the church and just bees the church. That's the message I believe that God has empowered for me to speak into the rock and this nation and the nations where I travel. But this morning, I want to talk about this external works that God will have you do from this internal place. So there are external works to be done on the earth, aren't there? The Bible said, Jesus said, go into the world, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, reach lost people, give to people, lay your lives down for one another and for a lost world. But the challenge with that, it's not just any works. See, God's just not into any works, he's into his works. You see, that's how you get to people who go, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons, I prophesied, and Jesus says, well, I don't know who you even are. There's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? You see, it's not just about any works, it's about specific works that have been prepared beforehand for you and I to walk in. What does that mean, Greg? It means these works have been prepared before you were ever born for you to discover to walk in. And they ultimately, firstly, primarily are in the context of a body. So the works that he wants to see established in you and I primarily are connected to see the building of the church established on the earth. But see, what we've done is we've said we've got to go out those doors and reach lost people. Which is the heart of God to reach lost? I was lost once. Were you lost once? And now you're found. So we have to understand the sequencing pattern of heaven. We have to understand God's specific sequencing order. Otherwise, we get out of order and we're running around doing works he never asked for. That's why you get burnout, stress. You get people who are anxious and worried. Why? Because they started a work that was fleshly, not godly. And God doesn't empower fleshly works. He only empowers his works. Man, this is a challenge for the church. Because we are so functionally wired to do. 
Every one of us, before we meet Christ, are functionally driven and wired, especially men, because we get a sense of accomplishment and purpose and worth out of what we do for Christ, not who we are in Christ. So we go looking for something to do because we want a sense of accomplishment. Is my life worth something? But how many people know your identity is never, ever found in a work? It's found in a person. And if we don't find our identity in a person, we're in trouble. Because we'll be running around trying to do works, thinking, I've got to prove myself to God. I've got to prove my worth to people. I'll look for the favor in man. And I'll look for that sense of accomplishment and purpose in something that ultimately might not be of him. And so if you ever ask me to stop and be still, I can't. I can't be still and know I'm God. Why? Because I'm wired for function. And if you take the function off me, I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to be. You're supposed to be Christ-like because there's an inner work going on in your life which makes you able to be still and know He's God. See, it's never been about an external work first. It's always been about an internal work. And out of the internal work flows the external by faith, Noah built an ark. Not by good intention, not by ego, pride, sense of accomplishment. By faith, Noah built an ark. Do you know all the works of God that he has for you and I have to come from the realm of faith? They have to come from the invisible realm and then brought into this physical realm. Otherwise, it's not a work of God and God does not empower it and his life is not on it. And that's why we get in trouble. You see, it's just too easy to go and do anything, isn't it? It's another thing to sit and wait and develop relationship, develop faith, because the Bible says that faith sees in an unseen realm. Doesn't it? Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the assurance of what you hope for, the conviction of something that you haven't seen but you see. So faith is the ability to see the unseen. <laughs> How cool is that? Jesus said, I've given you eyes and ears to hear things in an unseen realm. It's called the kingdom of God. What was the prayer? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So there is a pattern in heaven that already exists because heaven is a place that exists, is it not? So there is a definite pattern, an operating system that operates in heaven. And he prayed, I pray that operating system would operate on earth. So we need to know because we're supposed to be the people from heaven living on the earth, are we not? Ambassadors from the kingdom of God, not ambassadors of the earth. So if there's anyone that's supposed to know how this thing works, it's you and I. Because we've been sent from that realm to live in this realm. But that's not our home. This is, sorry, that's our home. This is the place we visit. So don't have your fixed abode here on earth because your fixed abode is in eternity. So we need to know the operating systems and patterns of heaven so we can live on the earth. And there's this thing called faith. And by faith, Noah did a work. You see, God spoke to him, the Bible says, about unseen things. Is he speaking to you about unseen things? 
When was the last time he spoke to you about things that were unseen but seen? Greg, I want to share my heart with you. I want to share my ways with you. I want to show you how I do everything. So this work came from an unseen place. And the people of the earth thought he was crazy. Didn't they? Because they didn't understand the unseen work. All they knew was the works that they knew. And this can be you and I. We can only ever know works. Oh, well, this is what good Christians do. We give, sometimes. <laughs> we serve, maybe. We'll maybe think of others. Maybe, maybe. Depends on the day, how I'm feeling. And so we do all these good things. And I'm not knocking them if they're led by him, but if they're not led by him, then they're just good intentions. And good intentions are not God works. They don't carry God's anointing. They don't carry his power. They don't carry his flavor. They're just us trying to muster up something to make us really feel good about ourselves. And he's not into that. He wants his works established in the earth and everything he leads, he empowers. Everything he empowers, he brings forth. So when he speaks, it happens. Why? Because it's come from that realm of faith. It's come from his realm into this realm. And you and I have to be so intentional because I read a Bible that says Jesus did nothing from his own initiative. Nothing. Which means he spent the time with his father, hearing his father's heart. And then he did only what he saw the father doing and that came from his father's initiative. And that's why everything he touched worked. We can actually be in opposition to God and not even realize it. Come with me to Luke 9, 51. I'm just going to read a passage of scripture from here. Luke 9, 51. It will come up behind me. Or somewhere. <laughs> Is this okay so far? You know, whenever the word goes out, I believe it should make you think. It should challenge us in love, and it should provoke a response. Truth sets the church free, doesn't it? So the truth, if the truth is preached, it should invoke some sort of reaction or response, good or bad. You might start throwing stuff at me, and I go, that's cool. The truth is being spoken. You might agree with me, that's cool. But if you sit there going, oh, whatever, then maybe we're not hearing what's being spoken because when Jesus got up and spoke, people either loved him or they hated him. <laughs> that's why you can't have your favor in man, eh, James? Because you'll never speak stuff because you're so afraid of what the people are going to do to you or might think of you, and they might not invite you back. <laughs> But when you don't care whether you invite her back or not, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so you can drop a bomb and run. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Our heart is to, as the church, is to walk together, isn't it? In the tension of truth and to see truth perfected in us so we're able to walk in the manner in which Jesus walked himself. 1 John 2, 6 said that love of God would be perfected 
in us so that we're able to walk in the manner in which Jesus walked this earth. 1 John 4, 17 says, as Jesus was, we are to be on the earth. Do you know what that looks like in its ultimate form? Father, forgive them for no one knows what they're doing to me. How many times do I have to forgive, Lord? Seven? Seventy times seven. What's he saying? There's an endless amount of love in you when the love of God is being perfected in you. So whenever anyone comes against you, ultimate love, ultimate grace, mercy is just poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out. Why? Because you're so full of him because the work God's doing through his living word is transforming you. There's no lack in you anymore. So you just pour out love, love, love. You only know love. Lust has gone. Because love has come. And the only reason lust exists because love hasn't yet been revealed enough to trumpet. We are to be the people of love. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Do you know that's impossible? And yes, you know the one of love. You can't, I can't love Phil the way Christ wants me to love Phil if I don't know love, if I haven't received love, because I cannot love Phil with my human love. It's limited. The Bible says, make sure you don't come short of the grace of God. And so by it, a root of bitterness would well up in you and defile everybody. So when I get offended at Phil, I go, let me tell you about Phil. And I defile every one of you about Phil. And it could have come out of nothing that Phil's done but my offence. Why? Because I was found out because lust was present, not love. And lust is just self that still needs to come into an alignment with the Word of God. So then love comes out. And that's where the works all come from. You see, it's fascinating because in this passage of Scripture... In Luke, you see James and John. And man, do they get it wrong. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messages on ahead of him. And then went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire? To come down from heaven and consume these people. There's a work of God, isn't it? Woohoo! In the name of Jesus, we're going to zap some people today. Not in a good way. Why? Because they don't get what they want. How do you respond when you don't get what you want? Or what you think you want? Or what you think it should go? Or how you think it should go? These guys are supposed to be the disciples of Jesus. James and John. Isn't John the guy that loved Jesus the most? And he told you five times? <laughs> and yet, is that love? I love Jesus' words. So he, he says this, but he turned. He's, That's not me. That's not from heaven, boys. And he says this, he rebuked them and said, You do know what you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. See, they're thinking they're doing a great work for God. It's called turn and burn. Zoom. In the name of Jesus. And Jesus goes, what on earth are you doing? Do you know what's crazy? I've heard people preach this and say this. At least they knew their authority. And miss the entire point of the message. You see, these guys are either demon-possessed. I don't think they were. 
or this is a weird looking aspect of Christ coming out of them, or it was lust. It was their humanity that still needed to be brought under the control of the Spirit and be transformed. So they're still thinking like men. They're still thinking from the world. They're going, you didn't give us what we want, so we're going to turn and zap you. In the name of Jesus, amen. (laughs) Now there's times I'd love to do that. (laughs) Just kidding again. And it's supposed to be a work from heaven. But we know it's not. But unless Jesus is there teaching them, they're in trouble. They're probably going to try that, aren't they? And he says, I did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Let me read you this. Works that come from religious ceremony are man-inspired, man-driven, and man-empowered. You see, there's religious ceremony and there's relational connection. And they are so far apart, it's not funny, but they can sound the same. So right here, we just had people leading us into the presence of the Lord. But you know that could just be religious ceremony? Or it could be relational connection. It could be just religious tradition, ceremony, Going through the motions, sacrifices and offerings that I do not want. What I want is a broken and contrite heart. But I'm not that, so I'll give you what I've got. And I'll, because I'm so functional, this is what you do. Because when you gather, you need musicians, because otherwise no one turns up, apparently. Because <laughs> we need our songs. Really? I don't see Jesus walking around with a five piece band. But anyway, he wasn't. He just turned up. And started speaking, started acting, and everyone ran to him or ran away from him. One of the two. But so you can have relational connection or you can have religious ceremony. And if I'm being really honest, and this is the thing that God is smashing at the rock, is that we know how to do religious ceremony really well. We really do it real well. But how good are we at relational connection? Because everything comes from relational connection. Come and sit at my feet, Martha. You see, Martha couldn't, could she? Do you know she couldn't? She actually couldn't. Because she didn't have in her what she needed to be able to sit at his feet. But Mary could. Why could Mary do something that Martha couldn't? Because of the substance that was in her, that wasn't in her sister. Jesus said, you worry and are anxious about many, many, many things. You see, Martha, you can't be still and know because you're running around doing works that I never asked for. It's all coming out of good intention. That's a challenge, isn't it? Jesus comes to your house, you invite him into your house, And then he tells you to come and sit at his feet, but your works, your good intentions, because you don't know quite how to be, have you running around doing all this stuff in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And Jesus himself is going, what are you doing? I never asked for any of that stuff. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I heard it came from the front. No, 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 no. I didn't ask for any of it. Come and sit at my feet. 
Then he might say to you, and this is what I love about Mary, now go. And I am ordaining that. But see, if you're not at the feet, you never hear. So what you hear is you. And all of a sudden we sung about fear. Well, we sung about the fear before. We talked about fear. Fear takes over because you find yourself in this place of unease and, well, I've got to do something. I should. I'm going to feel guilty if I don't or ashamed because this is what we're supposed to do. And so you go on this cycle that never ends. But it's a cycle of death. And we have to be arrested and apprehended from that by the power of God that enables us to sit at his feet and then start to hear his heart and hear his voice and get his perspective on how he sees everything, not my perspective and what I think is his perspective. Can you hear me? Trust me, I'm preaching to myself. I thought I knew how Jesus built the church. Nine years ago, I thought I had it down. I know how he builds. And I'm going to go and do it. The funny thing was, the Bible doesn't say, Greg, you can build the church. It says, I build the church. (laughs) Yeah, I know you do, but I'm going to give you a hand. (laughs) He said, I don't need you to give me a hand. Yeah, you do, actually. (laughs) Because you don't understand. Oh, really? I'm going to help. No, no, actually, yeah, I don't need your hand, son. You don't exist until I breathed you. I build my church. It's not your church, by the way. They're not your people. You're a brother and, and a brother, brothers and sisters. It's my church. It's my people. And I build them. Do you know how much freedom is in that? Man, I have been arrested from works. And it's awesome. And I only do now what he tells me to do. Do you know what my leadership strategy is? This messes leaders up. Pray. Oh, there you go. Pray. Ain't got time, Lord. Really, Greg? No, I'm so busy doing works for you. Trying to get the lost saved. Trying to lay hands on the sick people. Trying to raise up support in Cambodia. Oh, trying to meet all the needs in the community in Wellington. Oh, got to get up to Auckland because those guys need help up there too. (laughs) Oh, bring the wind of the fire, the spirit and all that. Yeah, they better get that. But I'm so running around. I don't have time to do the thing that we are taught to do. What happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? Guys, can you pray for one hour? Three times he comes back. Can you pray? What did they have strength to do? Chop off ears. Give me the sword. Why? Because they're full of lust. They're full of flesh. See, they had plenty of power and plenty of motivation to do the things of man. Let's torch some people. But what they didn't have anything for was to pray, was the spirit stuff. He goes, I didn't ask you to chop off ears. I asked you to pray. By the way, he says to Peter, it needs to happen this way so you can be the person that you're called to be. For it is written this will happen. So why are you trying to stop what's already written? 
You cannot be Peter the Apostle if this doesn't happen, Muppet. <laughs> to work with me, not against me. <laughs> he is so for us. But we can work anti-Christ because we're running around in the name of Jesus, thinking we're doing all this stuff. And if it's of Him, fill your boots. Because what He gives, He empowers and He strengthens. And it's a work done by rest. Rest. Rest, not stress. Rest, there's no worry attached to it. There's no anxiousness because it hasn't come from you. It is not empowered by you. And it will fulfill its word. And you can rest in that. And man, do you know how long it took me to learn this? <laughs> Too many years. So he says, Greg, this is your number one strategy, pray. Well, I can do that. Okay, the second thing he said is model it. Ooh. Can I model it? Or can I just speak of it? <laughs> you honour me with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. Ooh, there's a little bit of a, I think I want to go hide over here again. That was, I don't know if I like that word. He says, model it. Then he says, I want you to speak of what I'm showing you in the unseen realm. I'm going to show you stuff that you do not yet know. What did Jeremiah 33 say? 33.3, cry out to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not yet know. So are you crying out to God and is he showing you things that you do not yet know in God? It's funny where it comes from. The man was in prison. It's interesting where God speaks, isn't it? Sometimes you get to the end of yourself and that's when you start crying out. See, God allows pressure just from the worship. Pressure comes for the purpose of building up, not pulling down. You see, in that garden, what I'm talking about here, pressure came on those disciples, didn't it? And they failed. They failed because they weren't eating the word. They, weren't, they were walking with him, but they weren't eating of him, drinking of him. And the pressure came to expose where Peter was really at so Peter could see where he's really at, which would then broke Peter. And then God said, I needed to do that work for you to become the man I want you to be. So pressure is beautiful because pressure tests the true work of God in a heart and a mind. And so God will put you in a pressure test. He will allow a pressure test, not for the purpose of pulling you down, but for building you up. So you're able to get an honest MRI scan of where you're truly at with him. So then you can go, the way that seems right to me is actually wrong. But love's covering my wrong. Because God is going to get me to where he wants me to get to. Because he's for me, he's not against me. And there's nothing that can get in the way of that. But I must surrender and submit and repent and come under and turn if I want to come into being the man or the woman, the church he calls us to be, yes? So pray. He says, Greg, would you start speaking, modeling, invite people to walk with you on this journey. And just hear and obey. And as I've done that, all this 
functional pressure that I and other people in the church had put on me just went and left. And I'll tell you, like, I'm in so much freedom, it scares people. <laughs> I'm in so much rest, it scares other leaders. Because it messes up their strategies and their plans. You go, what are, they said to me, what about this? What about that? I said, no, that's his business. He said, Greg, I build my church. So he showed me in Revelation, because I was sitting at his feet, what that meant. And when God speaks to you and shows you things from his perspective, what he promises happens. The truth will set you free. Truth brings life. So when he actually reveals in your mind and in your heart his version of himself, you get the outcome of what's promised in this word. He's not a liar. His promises are yes and amen. So he says, Greg, I promised you rest. If you're in stress, it's because you're not in my promises. Simple, son. It's not rocket science. It's profoundly deep. But you can't say I'm in that if your outcome and your result is that. The evidence in my life is doesn't match this. There's nothing wrong with this or him. It's what's wrong with this and this. So there are works that he wants us to accomplish. Matthew 26, 6 to 13 is this beautiful picture, and we'll go there, of this gorgeous woman who knows something that, once again, unfortunately, the disciples have no clue about. <laughs> it's funny, eh? It's, do you see yourself as in the disciples' shoes? You know, it's like sometimes you, you think, oh, that's not me, I wouldn't do that. It's like, man, I, I, when I read this, I see me in this. Israelites, stiff-necked, disobedient, trying to do their own thing, don't believe. Some people go, oh, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. I'd go with you to your death, Jesus. And they all said the same thing until the opportunity to go to the death was presented and they all ran away. <laughs> it's like, that's an interesting response. I love it. Jesus says, James, you're going to deny me three times. James goes, no, I won't. You're arguing with heaven. <laughs> no, I won't. Yeah, see, I've already, I wrote the book. <laughs> I'm the author of the book. You know, sorry, but I was at the beginning and I wrote it. It's going to happen. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even pray. <laughs> Never mind, go to their death. You know, you just get to see you and I, don't you? You know, we're so full of something at times. <laughs> and I'm so glad he wants to come and fill me with him. I get, and he comes. And here's this beautiful picture of this woman who's a nobody but a somebody. Uh, Matthew 26, 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. This is powerful, man. There's so much more going on than just putting perfume. She's preparing him for his burial. This woman knows something the disciples have no clue about. He says, this is a good deed. You see, we don't understand some of God's works. We look at God's works because we don't have perspective and think, that's not God. Like these disciples. What a waste. You see, we miss his works, but we know our works. Just like the disciples, their works were to torch people. His works were to save people. Right here, God's works is to pour perfume all on his head. Their works is what a waste. Once again, can you see how faith, revelation, and revelation are all connected? Out of the unseen realm, faith. I must have revelation to see the unseen realm, which means I must be in relationship to get revelation to have faith because they're all linked. If I'm not sitting at the Father's feet relationship, how can he ever reveal anything to me that I'm able to see something, faith, in an unseen realm? So check your distance today between him and you because if there's not things that he's showing you that are unseen, it could be that the gap between you and him is too far. Even though he can reach you from a distance and pull you back, there is the other tension where you're not receiving things because the gap between you and him is too great. And he's wooing you and waiting for you to stop being a Martha, running around doing good intentions, but actually be a Mary and come and sit at my feet. Because there are things that I have in my heart that I want to show you. So then you would then actually step into spirit-led works, spirit-empowered works, that my kingdom would come in you first and then through you. And an earth would see me in the vessel that I created it to be, which is called the... Who? Yeah, the church. God's people. Do you know that God created you and I that the world would see him? Sorry, the world would see him. Sorry, yeah, through us. John 17 is one of the most powerful prayers. Is that word again, James? Prayer. I'm fascinated. Jesus goes, I'm going to pray that our people would be one. If Jesus is praying... That says something to me that it may not happen. Even though it's going to happen because the Father's will will happen. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? I'm praying that they will be one. He doesn't say, I'm going to manipulate them so they will be one. He doesn't say, I'm going to make it so they will be one. He says, I can't step outside of heaven's authority line. I'm the perfect model for the church. And so I'm going to pray that everyone that hears this message that's coming through these men in the future will become one. What for, Greg? So a lost world would know that Jesus was sent for the lost world. So does the lost world know that Jesus was sent for them because you and I and the body of Christ are one? I would say not really. Jesus is 
praying to the Father that this outcome would happen because the church is flowing in the, de- de- the design of heaven. Because there is a sequencing pattern in which heaven is established and it is to operate on the earth. It's powerful, eh? And here we see these works that this woman is doing because she's in an alignment to God. She sees, and Jesus even says, this will be mentioned today in 2017 in August when Greg will speak of it to Faith Point. (laughs) Woe to be her. Amazing. I'll leave you with this thought, and it's Ephesians 2.10. And I've never seen this passage in this light before. And this is one of these things where what's happening for me at the moment, I just share this as a testimony to things that are unseen. And I've asked you the question, are you seeing the things that are unseen? I'm seeing them all the time now because he's just showing me his perspective and his word. You seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. I believe what's written down, do you? So if I seek him the way he intends, I'm going to find him. So he will show me things that others can't see because I'm seeking him. And you eat that and drink that because Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, otherwise you'll have no life in yourself. Man, that's like incredible. This is the kingdom being formed and built within us. So he says, go have a look at Ephesians 2.10 in reference to works. It says, for we, okay, us, the Ephesians church, he's Paul's talking to here, but for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. For we are his workmanship, stop. I have a we, Danny and I, have, have a, a couple, an awesome couple for us. They're like um, uh, our sort of second grandparents for the kids, Keith and Heather Harrison, and they look after the kids and stuff. And Keith's a harp, um, he makes harps, makes amazing guitars and harps. And the pattern came from heaven. He, he's not mathematical. God gave him a mathematical pattern to make these harps some years ago. And he's been making harps and selling them all over the world. And God showed me this picture, the harp, is the workmanship of Keith's hands. And the heart makes beautiful sounds. So he goes to work with his hands and he builds harps. And the harp that Keith builds has gone out and makes these incredible sounds and they've been sold all over the world. So the Bible says that we are his workmanship. Who builds the church? What is the church? Who is the church? So is he building you? What does that mean? What does it mean to be built? Because he's saying, I build a church. The church that I build, the gates of Hades don't overpower. So just because we turn up here doesn't mean the church is being built. Just because we sing songs does not mean the church is being built. The church is being built when the church is growing and maturing and isn't affected by the world, the flesh, and the enemy. Because he's telling you in a statement and intent, I build, you are my workmanship. 
So you are the work of my hands. I build a church by my hands. How do we build things? With our hands. He says, I'm the builder of my church. So the church that I'm building, you are my workmanship. The gates of Hades, the flesh, the enemy, do not overpower. You see, there's no fear because perfect love casts out fear. So if we're being built, there's no room for fear because love is being built. So you know if you're being built if you have the substance of Christ in you. Greg, what's the substance of Christ? The first one is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Do you know what that is? That's not me trying to control myself. That is the power of heaven aligning my life to live for God. So he's saying, you are my workmanship. I build my church. Unless the Lord builds the house, they build in do you know what vain means? Emptiness. It goes on. It says it doesn't matter. You can get up night and day. You can spend hours and hours and hours and hours praying, saying things. But if I'm not building it, it's all in vain. And yet there's someone that can go to sleep and I'm building him while he or she sleeps. Why? Because they've found the way of God. And they are being built even when they sleep, because it's a spiritual building. It's not a physical work. God has woken me up, speaks to me in dreams. I've been half asleep. He starts speaking stuff to me. I'm sort of like trying to go to write it down. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about him. So he says, church, you are my workmanship. You're the work of my hands. Okay. So then he says this, created in Christ Jesus, my son, for good works. Good works are God works, which are not done from anything but faith. Just want to recap, okay? So I don't do a work for God because I think I should. I don't do it because someone tells me I should. I don't do it because I'm looking to prove myself. I'm not doing it because I want to have a sense of accomplishment. I don't do it because I want a whole lot of people to thank me. I don't do it to build something called an empire. And then everyone follows along. I don't do anything from flesh. I only do it from faith. Why? Because I'm in the building process. So I'm in the building process. Do you know what I'm going to know? I'm going to know the works that have been prepared beforehand, which are in the invisible realm. Why? Because I'm being built by Jesus Christ. I'm being built. So if I'm being built the way he intends, I'm going to know the works that are being prepared beforehand. You and I were prepared before creation of the foundation of creation, weren't we? Can you see how everything in God is in an unseen realm? It's called the kingdom of God. And it must come from the kingdom of God into the earth. And Jesus said, I come with my kingdom. He said, repent, have a complete change of thinking because my kingdom is at hand. It's now. So you have to, I've given you my spirit to see, sorry, see and hear the things in the invisible. So there are works prepared, prepared beforehand, but they are in the invisible realm. And if we are not his workmanship being built, being submitted and surrendered to the true work of God, because unless the Lord builds, how does he build? Via revelation. Can you build yourself? No. Can you change yourself? No. Can you build anyone else? No. Can you change anyone else's heart? No. Who does? He does. How does he do it? Through the revelation of what? Himself. 
So I have to place myself, Mary, at the feet and say, Father, build me through your power of revelation. I want to be the workmanship of your hands so I can what? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, I can love like Christ. Isn't that the commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. That's a commandment, not a good idea. Doesn't come out of a wheat bix packet. It's a commandment. He says, if I am building you, this is fully possible. With man, you haven't got a chance. With God, you can live out this life. So what happens? God is glorified, number one. I get to experience the life that God promises me. Two, a lost get to see a church that's on fire. But if I'm not the workmanship of his hands... I'm probably just going to run around doing religious ceremony my whole life. And I'll be outside of religious connection. And so I won't, and you won't, come into the life that we were destined for. And it's a rich life, guys. We prayed out the front at 7.30 this morning. My man over here. Sorry, what was your name again? Nick. And Nick prayed life and life of abundance. You see, there's two steps. Life. But then there's abundant life. And too many of us only know life. Too many of us guys are only covered by truth. And Jesus said, I want to cover you, but I want to fill you. I want to fill you with me. I'm in you, but are you in me? You see, this relationship is two-way, isn't it? It's abide in me as I abide in you. I'm in you, but are you abiding in me? If you're not abiding in me, if I'm not building you, guess what? You're not going to receive love, joy, peace. When you are put in a pressure test, you'll be exposed. And it's, once again, not for the purpose of crushing you, it's for the purpose of building you. But angry man like this might come out, let's burn them. And all of a sudden you might defile people because of hurt, because it hasn't gone the way you thought it should have gone. It hasn't gone the way you wanted it to go, because maybe you didn't have perspective. Maybe you didn't have the right perspective, and the other person did, and they've been trying to love on you, but you're like, no, this isn't happening. So you fight, and angry man comes out. Well, that's not Christ-like nature or character or life. And yet you're covered by life, but life isn't in you. And yet we have been chosen before the beginning of time, adopted as what? Sons. He's looking for sons that look like the son. Act like the son. Think, speak, love like the son. As Jesus was, we are to be. It's an incredible promise. And out of that flow these works that are done by faith. And they go, and I know you've been having a teaching by James, and then they go to a judgment seat. And the Bible says that all the works of man will go through fire, won't they? And you're going to see what was of you and what was of him. And better you learn this lesson now than there, because the Bible says there is a reward for all those that have lived faithful and obedient lives to the design of heaven. Not any works, but my works. 
internal first transformation through that an external expression of God on the earth where he can say well done here's your reward oh look I'm sorry but my fire's gone through and you just did and lived for you now my grace is covering you and the Bible is very clear it says you'll still be saved but there's no reward for your disobedience and your unfaithfulness that's pretty hard to hear, isn't it? But I want to hear it now, wrapped in love, and not then when it will be wrapped in love, but it's too late. You know what he whispered to me? He said, Greg, tell the people I don't want to have to be me on that day of judgment. Meaning, he has to be truthful to himself. He can't throw you a shifty and go, here's a grace card. He has to be true to himself. He is just. He is holy. He will judge in that accordance. So if we stand before him and all we've done is done our works and good intentions, he can't go, that's okay, you're going to get the reward. He can't because it's anti himself. You hear what I'm saying? So he has to be to tell my people, I don't want to be just. I don't want to have to give them a bad report. I want to be able to give them a good report. I want to be able to give them the reward. I want to, I want to, I want to. Just like we do with our kids. You want to bless your kids, don't you? You want to. It's your desire to see them grow. It's my desire to see my kids. I want to bless them, but I won't bless disobedient behavior because it sends the wrong message and it teaches my children the wrong thing. Creates brats. And society doesn't need any more of them. Spoiled little brats living for self. Can you hear? So he says, you're my workmanship, son. Come with me. Enter into my process. There's some things. He showed me. He said, you think. Your thinking's not like mine. In the area of building the church. And I'm going to dismantle you. You know what he said then? Then I'm going to dismantle the rock. And a whole lot of people, when I shared that, went, yay, he's going to dismantle you, yay. And then when it comes to dismantle them, they all left. <laughs> I'm serious, we had about 150 people leave. And God's building a church inside a church. Some people are still outside of it going, I don't have a clue what's going on here. But I'm going to dismantle some of your thinking because it's not my thinking. And then when I dismantle it, and I'm going to put it back together, because he never leaves you dismantled. The purpose of dismantling is to put you back together. Then his life comes. And I've been living in this life for nine years. I wrote a book called Bird's Eye View. If you want a copy of it, go online. It's on our website. He said, put it down to get it out so people can read it. It's just come straight through me. It's all free. We've given it all away. We gave it was last year. 